In a previous episode with Lori Underwood, we talked about the importance of learning to pray. And after that episode, I realized that learning to pray doesn't just apply to children. Learning to pray also applies to adults. I mean, even the disciples came to the Lord Jesus and asked him to teach them to pray. Granted, they were really asking for his prayer as a rabbi, as each rabbi had their own prayer, but they were still in that learning posture, trying to learn and glean something from a teacher. If you would like to read Jesus's words about prayer and fasting before we begin this episode, I would encourage you to pause right now and just go read Matthew 6, because Matthew 6 is a place that clearly outlines in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus's view on prayer and fasting. The purpose of prayer and fasting is not to manipulate God to get what we want. The purpose of prayer and fasting is certainly not to be showy. The purpose of prayer and fasting is quite different, and I want to read a section from the book More Ready Than You Realize by Brian D. McLaren, because in this conversation with someone who is learning about faith and learning about Jesus, Brian highlights a pretty important purpose of prayer. He says, if our focus is on getting our way, then prayer is a pretty frustrating experience. But if the focus is on getting connected and staying connected to God, that's a very different and more appropriate, I think, approach to prayer. So prayer is more about connecting with our Heavenly Father and being in a relationship. And I might as well begin with a confession about my own prayer life because oftentimes I was praying for what I wanted to happen. Sometimes in the past I've been guilty of praying that God might take away some irritating part of my personality or take away some bad attitude that I had and thinking that that might be what would draw me closer to him. But what God really ends up doing is restructuring my inner affections, restructuring my inner hierarchy of importance and putting himself at the top of that. And that generally doesn't seem to answer my prayer, but in a way that's more powerful than I realized, it does more than answer my prayer. He does more than I could have thought to pray for. My good friend Brian Rendon is here to answer a few of my questions about prayer and fasting. Just from getting to know Brian over the last couple months, I have observed his importance he has placed on the spiritual disciplines, and that is so encouraging to me. And I know that this conversation will be encouraging to you as well. Welcome back to another Christlike Conversation. I'm so excited to introduce you to one of my newer friends, Brian Rendon. Over the past couple of months, Brian has just been an encouragement and a leader in my life, especially when it comes to the importance of spiritual disciplines. Brian, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. Me too. Um, so Brian, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about prayer and fasting and Mm. how that might look in your life and how um mm. how we can help each other learn um mm -hmm. how to how to pray and um how to fast um i've heard you mention the experience of upper room 
prayer. Mm. And um, I've heard you use that term in reference to praying with groups of God's people. What does that mean to you and, and how is that important? Mm. Yeah, so the whole idea of upper room prayer, it comes from uh, the book of Acts, the very first chapter, actually. And what, what you see is that the disciples of Jesus, right after he ascended, they gathered, mm-hmm. um, it says, in the upper room, and they devoted themselves uh, to prayer. About 120 of them all just gathered together, committed um, to seeking God in prayer. And wow. that's so incredible because right after that, they were able to, uh, by the guidance of, of, of the Lord, choose someone to replace Judas. And in the very next chapter, uh, the Holy Spirit arrives and, and uh, the rest is just history. But I think okay. we should, um, I think we should ask this question of, okay, if the disciples did not gather in the upper room to pray, would have would the Holy Spirit arrive? Would He have arrived? And I think that He w- He would have still arrived, but just maybe not at that time. Right. Um, but because they gathered in the upper room to pray, God showed up, and that is hmm. incredibly important because that shows us that God responds to persistent prayer. Whenever yeah. we gather um, together and when we're on our knees and our face planted on the ground and we're, we're, we're talking to, to the Father um, by the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus. And I tend to, I tend to uh, believe that upper room prayer gives birth to movements uh, hmm. because right after this, Pentecost happens and it, it's a beautiful scene. So it's so important, um, but that's where the idea of upper room prayer comes from. Wow, that is powerful, Um, especially just thinking about how Jesus told them to wait there in the upper room. And as you were mentioning Mm -hmm. persistence, just that that waiting was what what reminded me of persistence, because oftentimes Mm -hmm. we're we're just kind of waiting with bated breath and we have to be persistent in the prayers mm. that we're, we're praying because Jesus has promised us something. And if we would just be persistent, as you were saying, then we will receive that promise. Mm. Um, I thank you for that insight on that passage. Um, speaking of mm. just using passages of scripture, like Acts one in our prayers, how mm. does using scripture, uh, whether you've selected the passage or, whether it's mm. some verse that's popped into your head as you're praying, how does that help you in your conversations with God? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, wow, that, yeah, that's so that's so important for me because uh, a lot of the times um, when I'm praying, it's very difficult to uh, to focus um, because my mind is so scattered, mm-hmm. and so the way the way I am able to to be still and silent and focus in on the Lord is by uh, using the scriptures, specifically when um, the scripture says that our God is an all-consuming fire. And so I mm-hmm. just picture, I picture that, and um, that brings in this, this like, whoa, are you kidding me? Like, I'm able to come before 
this all-consuming fire and yet not be consumed? Like, are you kidding me? How mm-hmm. how am I, you know, like how am I not uh, casted away? And I'm I'm this this brings uh, reverence and and uh, just the fear of the Lord within me. And so that yes. really directs directs my prayer. Um, but the scriptures give me structure. Um, whenever I pray, um, it, it helps me a lot. I, I like to picture it as the scriptures are like the lamp, but the spirit um, in prayer is the flame to that lamp, which illuminates the the, the scriptures and, and brings it so much uh, beauty and life um, in, in the place of prayer. And uh, that's when the deepest and, and and the highest work of, of the human spirit begins to occur is through that. And so it's a big thing for me um, to use the scriptures when I pray to give me structure and focus. Absolutely. Your, um, your lamp analogy reminded me of a C.S. Lewis analogy, actually. Um, come to mm. think of it, in Mere Christianity, I think in book four, uh, he says uh, that because you were talking about reading the scripture through, through the Holy spirit, that, that illuminating um, mm. the scriptures uh, that C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, when we pray, we experience all three parts of the Trinity because um, God is, God is the thing we are praying to, but then the spirit is working inside of us to, to help mm. us pray. And then Jesus is the Avenue through which we pray to the father. So I think wow. you're exactly right. Just, um, the way that mm. all parts of of the Trinity work in our prayers, um, I was glad that you pointed that out about the Holy Spirit being present. Um, wow, wow, that's awesome! I didn't I didn't know that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, well, that just reminded me of that section of mere Christianity when you were talking. Mm. Um, you have also um, you've also mentioned one voice prayer when we've been praying mm-hmm. together, uh, what is the idea of one voice prayer and how would you describe it? How does it encourage you? Yeah. Wow. One, there's nothing in the world like this, this form of prayer. I think it is a, a beautiful thing uh, that whenever we do it, it, it completely changes um, a mm-hmm. lot of things, almost everything. Uh, but I, the whole idea of uh, one voice prayer is everyone everyone is um, supposed to, at the same time, pray out loud to the Father, cry out to Him, everyone in one voice, where we're all just saying saying a prayer out loud at the same time. Mm-hmm. And whenever um, whenever we finish, whenever we all finish saying that saying our prayer. Um, when it silences down, then one person closes us out in uh, in prayer, and so whenever that happens, it, it is it is so beautiful and it is so encouraging. And it's it's a powerful thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think whenever uh, we do this, um, I think the fa- the, the father um, has a, has a big smile on his face. Yeah. And I think that we, whenever we do one voice prayer, um, that completely shuts the mouth of Jezebel and completely shakes the very gate, the gates of hell because of how 
incredibly uh, powerful that kind of prayer is because that's exactly um, what I would like to believe is what happened in the upper room when the disciples were all gathered together. Hmm. And um, just imagining them doing this, this, this very thing, this one, one voice prayer, and picturing the, the, uh, the, pro, the profound, um, just the profound, uh, incredible impact it had um, by doing that. Yes. But that's that's what that's what that is, and man, I love that. It encourages me so much. Um, it it brings me on my knees, and it brings me tears to my eyes because just how moving, um, just to hear everyone pray like that. Yes. Um, incredible. Mhm. Absolutely. And it's always just so amazing to me because it demonstrates how powerful God is that He. Um, you know, we can only take in so much information at one time, but God is taking in all of mm. our stories, all of our wants and requests, all of our needs, all of our praises, all at the same mm. time. And he hears all of them distinctly and he understands all of them deeper than we than we even can. Um, mm. So just one voice prayer definitely points to God's power and, um, mm. and God's ability to understand us. And in that way, it humbles me. Um, you mentioned how um, you mentioned how moving it is to you, and how that that brings you mm. to a humble place. Uh, just mm. your alone time with God. What what does that teach you about mm. humility? Yeah. So whenever whenever it's just me and God, um, that whenever whenever I'm alone, just me and Him. And, and I'm talking with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm instantly reminded that uh, the scripture that says that I dwell in a high and holy place, and I mm-hmm. also dwell with those who are humble and contrite in spirit. And I don't dwell with those who are proud. I don't dwell mm-hmm. with those who exalt themselves. And so that is a big thing for me, um, because. When I'm alone with God, I need to crucify all flesh, and I need to put to death pride. Yes. Um, I instantly, when before, I always want to start um, when, when I'm when I'm uh, alone with God, just start off in silence, mm-hmm. because the Scripture says that God is in His holy habitation. Let all the earth be silent before Him. Mm. And yes. even in Ecclesiastes, you know Solomon. Um, says, when you approach the house of God, guard your steps, because you're not just approaching anyone, you're approaching the the living God, the, the creator of the universe, and mm. so be silent, and let your words be few, and um, I, man, I take those scriptures to heart, and I'm silent, because who am I um, to approach God and instantly come in, uh, with so many words, um, man, I need to I need to acknowledge who He is um, by being silent and just soaking in uh, the the beauty of being alone with Him. Um, but right. first through silence, and hmm. um, after that, that's when I acknowledge Him um, by giving giving Him uh, the praise, and um, that's when I that's when I begin to pray. But humility. Um, that's the starting point of prayer for me is 
always acknowledging who he is. Yes. Wow. Um, yeah. The importance of silence. That's something that we don't get very much in this day and age. So I thank you for, for pointing that out. What can you tell us uh, about how different body postures might help uh, while you're wow. praying, like kneeling or um, face down? What, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, uh, man, I, the, the, way, the way you position your body in prayer is incredibly important because um, your body posture expresses um, attentiveness, it expresses respect, um, it, it communicates a lot of things. Uh, we, I, I think we oftentimes forget that whenever we pray, it's it's not it's not um, it's not like uh, putting on a show. It's not any of that. It's a, it's a it's a um, it's a really intimate talk with God. You're just talking. Yes. To him. Yes. And in the same way, I'm talk. I, if I was talking to you in person, I would not you know, be like, I wouldn't be having my eyes on, on other things. I wouldn't be distracting myself mm. with other things, but my eyes would be um, in contact with your eyes because yes. um, that communicates so much. And my body posture would be um, face towards you. I wouldn't be, like be slumping down. I wouldn't be like, you know, showing any kind of uh, disrespect through, um, through, my, through my posture and so mm-hmm. that means a lot when uh, you bring that um, to prayer. And so one of my one of the one of the postures that I often do is uh, just be on my knees mm-hmm. um, and, and bring my face on the ground and and just worship him in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And that says a lot because that posture expresses surrenderance. It expresses right. denial, like, no, I'm. Who am I to stand before the living God? So I'm just going to surrender, with my knees bowed before Him and my face, um, just planted on the ground. Right. Um, but not, not even that. Like there's, there's, um, there's also just the uh, the posture of just laying prostrate before the Lord. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever you just lay down, I mean, it's. It's supposed to just express, like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm all yours. Like, just take control of me. Um, and uh, by laying down, it, it, it says a lot to, um, to the Lord by just, you know what, I'm yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also important that uh, when when you're praying, that you want to be comfortable. So sometimes. Um, it's not kneeling. Sometimes it's uh, not laying down. Sometimes the best position that you can be in is just sitting. Right. I'm um, just sitting, whether in a chair or on the ground. Um, cause that that that's a that's a comfortable position um, to be in. But it's also not. Um, it's not communicating disrespect to the Lord. But right. Still, you're in this place of respect to Him. And um, one one last. Uh, posture that is is a really good one too it's just standing and having your hands and hands lifted up mm-hmm. and your face looking toward heaven and and this way just showing like um 
giving giving praise to God with your hands lifted high and your face looking to him. But it also communicates like you're ready to receive from him too. So yeah. all of these all of these postures um says a lot. Um but it it's really important that that we are mindful of what position we're in when we pray. Mhm. Yes, because as you mentioned like we are in the presence of God and we wouldn't be disrespectful in a conversation with another human being. So why why should our posture be dis- yeah. disrespectful in the presence of God? That's that's something to think about. Something that I actually, you know, I haven't thought about it being like a conversation face to face with another human being. But God's presence is there. He's he's yeah. very real in times of prayer. So Thank, thank you for that insight. Um, one last thing about prayer, I guess, before we move on to fasting. Uh, how does praying in small groups encourage you, and, and how does it help to keep you accountable? Yes. Um, man, the way I love praying in groups because uh, it encourages me by just listening to uh, the other, my brothers and sisters, the children of God, talk to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing, and it's also a privilege that we have. Um, just like it's like uh, experiencing the Psalms in in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you you can be able to experience someone's praise or lament uh, whenever whenever we or whenever I pray in small groups. Um, so I have that privilege, and that really encourages me. Um, but also praying uh, for someone is. is also something that really encourages me because yes um it's it's a beautiful thing to uh lift someone up to the lord and it's mm-hmm. also a really humbling thing but my most the thing that i love the most is being prayed over um by by the the people in that small group and mm-hmm. wow it is so it's it's just so so refreshing it's so uh, life-giving to me, and it, ref- it refills my cup, mm-hmm. um, because, man, when, when people, when the people of the Lord lay their hands on you and pray over you, it is uh, truly an, an incredible, uh, incredible experience that, man, I, I'm so thankful to, uh, to, to have and, and to, um, receive from from the body Mm -hmm. and the brothers and sisters so i I absolutely love small group prayers um it's a great thing to pray with pray for and be prayed over um, by the body of christ Mm, absolutely and just praying with other people always puts me in a position of humility especially when they're praying for me Mm. um just to know that that Mm. other people can uh also pray on my behalf to the Father, um, that's very powerful and very humbling for me. Um, mm. So mm. I thank you for mentioning that. Um, moving on to the topic of fasting, um, which is mm-hmm. very much connected to prayer, actually. Um, mm. What What do you learn um, from fasting about humility? Wow, that's uh, a very big lesson, actually. <laughs> um the the beauty of of fasting is we have to we have to remember that 
um, we're making war with the flesh. So we're saying no to our flesh, to our desires, mm. and we're saying yes to the spirit. Mm. But the lesson of humility that comes from from uh, this discipline is your reliance upon the upon the father as a child is to uh, a parent to the parents. Um, so like I, I learned that I can't do anything on my own. I can't, I can't give myself food. I can't, you know, do anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm helpless without the Father. I need Him. Hmm. And so there's this lesson of, there's this lesson of, I need, I need you, God. Um, I need you to give me the things that I need, physically and spiritually. Hmm. Um, there's this, there's this uh, very much a, a very vivid picture of a child who's dependent upon um, the father and his mother. And you know what? Um, there's this incredible um, story that I heard about a man named David Hogan who, who said that he received a vision from God. And in this vision, he says that there is this very large bull in, in a field that was uh, with force trying to open a little package. And despite all of its mustering, of its strength, all, all of its noise, it couldn't open the box. Despite trying everything, it couldn't open that little package. Hmm. And a little child comes up and easily lifts, uh, pulls up, pulls off the, the, the top of the box and is able to uh, access the things inside. And the difference between the two is that no amount of strength from all of the world can do what one ounce of childlikeness can do. Yes. And that means mm. big, like, just in- incredible implications to that because... Right. Just imagine when when you're when you're when you're in prayer and you're fasting, like, wow, you know, that that can do so many big things because when you're placed before the Father like that, uh, man, you're you're able to, um, in a place of of reliance, in a place of dependency, mm-hmm. uh, through humility, the Father is able to do amazing things um, because of your your dependence like that. And so that's the lesson um, or lessons that, that I learned from from uh, fasting. Hmm. I, I love that. I love that imagery of childlikeness. Um, that's something yeah. that we all need a bigger dose of is childlikeness, <laughs> um, for sure. There, there's this guy, um, his name was uh, Andrew Murray, and he said something so cool. He said... Uh, the true beauty of of childlikeness is the absence of self consciousness. Hmm. So completely losing yourself hmm. to the Father. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah, and if we just if we observe little children, we see that for sure. They're not yeah. self conscious, <laughs> especially when it comes to expressing <laughs> love for other people and and dependence mm. on other people. Yeah, wow, that's right. that's powerful. And it says something too about um, motives, about right motives. And um, mm. can you 
Can you describe some some right motives for fasting versus some some wrong motives that we might have for fasting? Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, just to um, start off with the wrong motives, the motives that you shouldn't have is, um, excuse me, I think the, 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 the clearest one is doing it for uh, uh for to impress other people yeah um when you just fast because you want to show off um to to your friends and say oh look i'm i'm more i'm more uh i'm more holier than you are mm-hmm. or you know just look at me just this very fair safe mindset so that that danger there of doing it to impress others but um also this other other wrong motive it's just mm-hmm. to do it just because. Um, I've known people who have fasted just because um, they wanted to, um, they just wanted to see what it was like. And so there was no, there was no like um, purpose behind it. It was just very, very uh, obnoxious and, and very naive. Mm. Um, so definitely don't want to do it just because um, you want to go in with the, with purpose. Mm-hmm. Um and also, um, this other pitfall, um, this wrong motive, is to do it because um, it's it's a to to fast because it's a virtuous thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So like, yeah, just doing it because um, it, it's like it's supposed to earn you brownie points before God. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a that's a wrong motive to go in with. Yeah. Um, but what what. On the flip side, um, the motives that uh, would be really good to go in is, like, man, maybe you want to fast because you want to experience breakthrough in uh, your relationship with God. Or maybe you're fasting because there's um, an injustice happening in the world and you want to um, fast before the Lord to um, bring about an end to this injustice that is happening. Hmm. Or possibly you're fasting because you're you're unsure of of the of uh, the future. You're 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 having a hard time um, knowing what decision to make about a certain situation, and so you're fasting for guidance. Um, or maybe just simply you just want to grow closer to the heart of God. Um, all of those fall into the umbrella of purpose. Fasting with a purpose, hmm. and what and and when you fast, that's exactly what you want to have is um you're you're doing it not for yourself there's a difference between fasting um for yourself than fasting um for the lord so not self-centered but it's centered on on him Hmm. none of these in fact none of these disciplines are in themselves virtuous they have absolutely zero value um all they do is simply place you before God and God does does the work hmm. um, yes he does so that's that that that's what, how uh, I would answer that hmm. that's that's good having a having a purpose when we fast is like you said key um when you're planning mm-hmm. for when you fast because you do have a purpose what are you what are you mm-hmm. doing instead of eating during that time yeah, yeah. So um, this is part of like this. Whenever you do this, this reveals a lot of um, 
who's on the throne of your heart, really. And so in the time where you're usually eating or when you're usually doing other things, um, wanna wanna do um what I do is, is uh do some meditation and I think about how Jesus is the bread from heaven and I'm just asking him to make me full of him. Hmm. I wanna I wanna be satisfied with him and um I wanna taste so like just like I'm eating, I wanna I wanna take that same approach to um to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I wanna feast. You know, like I wanna be full of you just Make me, make me overflow and so satisfied with you because you are um, the true bread from heaven. You are um, the the true source of satisfaction. And so I'm worshiping, I'm uh, I'm meditating, and I'm I'm reading the scriptures. And um, if there's if, I, if this is a communal thing, then I wanna I wanna be with the community of the people who are fasting with me and um, enjoy that time with them as well. Mm. Yeah, that's very important, uh, holding each other accountable during that time, Yeah, if you are praying with a group, especially when it comes to uh, poss- possibly facing temptation while you're, while you're fasting, having each other accountable mm-hmm. during that. Have you ever experienced Absolutely. temptation while you fasted? Um, yes, in the sense of like, man that I'm really just craving a pizza right now. Like in that sense, yes. Um, but as far as like, uh, other temptations of, um, maybe just wanting to give up or, um, uh, do things, see things that I'm not supposed to see or do, um, very much so. Mm -hmm. Um, it's very difficult to fast alone than Mm -hmm. it is to pray with or to fast with people. Um, Because like you mentioned, that there's an accountability there. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's much more manageable to to do with people. But when I'm alone, it is there. And it is ten times harder um, to do that alone. And so very much so, I face the temptation of just wanting to give up, um, wanting to to eat, um, and just satisfy my flesh. So that's very real. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no shame that comes with wanting other people to hold you accountable. Um, there's, mm. you know, realizing that we can't do everything on our own, especially while we're learning and beginning. Um, it's okay to, mm. to ask for help, to ask God for help, but also to turn to your fellow believers and ask them for help. Um, and mm. I think that might okay. be a struggle for people who are just beginning to, to fast and, or are just beginning to practice this spiritual discipline they they think that they got to rely on their own strength and we we have god's yeah. strength and we have god's strength through his people to rely on oh yeah it, absolutely i you made me um you made me think about how when uh when jesus was fasting and the spirit led him into the wilderness mm. um man he had i'm sure he was constantly asking uh for help from from God mm-hmm. um, to give him um, give him uh, all the things that he needed, um, but yeah, that that's 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 what um, that's what it seems like. Uh, yes, 
that's what it seems to me is is uh, an important factor is, is asking for help um, mm. from others. That's that's important important thing that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that people, um, God's people, why do you think that we've maybe neglected the spiritual discipline of, of fasting out of all of the spiritual disciplines? You know, we put such an emphasis on mm. on reading the scriptures and on praying, but oftentimes so uh, we for, we forget about fasting. We forget about those um, disciplines of abstinence. Mm. Do, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think part of it is because um, not very many people do it, and um, it's also not something that is uh, easy per se, mm-hmm. um, but very difficult. It takes a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of giving yourself up, um, and so no one no one wants to in the same way. No one wants to. Um, exercise um no one wants to put in put in that that effort to run outside or to yeah you know do some pull-ups or push-ups because it's hard mm-hmm. it's hard um we we all want uh, results quickly um but i think part of it comes from the difficulty but maybe also is um part of it comes from uh it's simply forgotten. Um, I think people forget that uh, you can fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's uh, some people are misinformed and and don't remember that that fasting is is something we can do. Um, and lastly, I think it's not um, along with the difficulty. It's also not. Uh, it's not pushed upon like people like you were mentioning earlier how there's the the emphasis of prayer and of worship and of um all of these other disciplines that fasting seems to be in the background mm-hmm. um because because it's not as glamorous um it's more <laughs> no, it it's more sweat and blood yeah <laughs> yeah it requires um like a lot a lot of a lot of um effort sweat and blood into it and so people don't want to hear that people don't want to um to hear man if you want to for example grow closer to the lord um why don't you try fasting um no one wants um from from looking at it from the world no one wants to Mm -hmm. do that because it's extremely uh difficult and it's it's very hard and so mm-hmm. I would say those are the reasons why it's often uh, forgotten and neglected. Yes. Yeah. Well, Brian, I, I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for your insight on on so much about both of these topics, prayer and and fasting. Is there yeah. anything else you'd like to add to this conversation before we close off? Um, I would just want to say um, one thank you for allowing me to come on here and share um, just share share some of um, my my experience and I hope that um, this will this will really bless um, the body of Christ 
and I just want to I just want to remind everyone to remember just remember your resolve to be faithful mm. thank you uh, I want to yeah. thank you for praying for me while this was a, just a concept that was getting off the ground that was very encouraging for me um, this the the power of your prayers for for other people i want to thank you for that absolutely the lord bless bless this <laughs> in jesus name brian mentioned a lot of important things in our conversation and i just wanted to go back and recap a few things and highlight several verses that we talked about First of all, we talked about the upper room prayer that happens in Acts 1. So I wanted to highlight where the upper room is mentioned and read the verses that led up to that. So in Acts 1, verse 4, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he being Jesus, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 12, Then they, the apostles, returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So, they were in the upper room constantly in prayer. And this is what Brian was referring to when he said upper room prayer. We also talked about persistence, which reminded me of the parable of the persistent widow found in Luke 18. If you want to go there and read about that, Brian also mentioned the power of silence, and he talked about Habakkuk 2.20, but the Lord is in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. And he also mentioned Ecclesiastes 5.1, guard your steps when you go to the house of God, go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. We also talked about childlikeness, so I wanted to mention a couple of verses that talked about childlikeness. Luke eighteen seventeen says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And those are the words of Jesus. Matthew nineteen fourteen says, But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for such belongs to the kingdom of heaven. We talked about God working inside of us, and Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So God is at work within us when we pray and when we fast. And then I wanted to mention the passages about Jesus fasting in the desert, because I think we often neglect the fasting part of that and focus on the scripture through temptation part. So if you want to go back and reread through Jesus's fasting in the desert, focusing on the fasting part, they're found in Matthew 4, Mark 1, 12, and Luke 4. 
Since this is an episode on prayer, I wanted to close with one of my favorite prayers found in Ephesians three twenty through 21 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm grateful to Brian for walking us through this episode, and I'm grateful to you for listening to it. This has been another episode of Christlike Conversation, and all glory goes to God.